All right, let's go ahead and continue our discussion. We just heard the political situation as it stands right now with the Trump presidency. What about on the Democratic side, his purported uh, op- uh, opponent for the November 3rd election, Joe Biden of the Democratic Party, uh, recently named his vice presidential running mate, Senator Kamala Harris. They are right now, as we speak, uh, going through the Democratic National Convention, where they will officially nominate Biden and Harris as part of the uh, presidential ticket. Uh, we had uh, a first day of speeches highlighted uh, last night uh, by the the rousing address given by the former first lady uh, Michelle Obama a very pointed critique on the uh, Trump presidency uh, highlight speakers uh, for today's go around include uh, former president Bill Clinton and uh, Joe Biden's wife uh, Jill Biden as well as uh, former secretary of state uh, John Kerry and uh, the uh, noted uh, congressman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez so uh, let's get a sense of what's going on with the uh, democratic uh, ticket uh, joining us uh, history professor Alan Lickman from American University. Hello. Hey, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you again, too, as well, Professor. Uh, so uh, just first, your reaction to uh, Biden selecting Kamala Harris as his running mate, it seems to have given a bit of a jolt of energy, uh, not just to black voters, but to to a lot of people who kind of see this now as an energizing uh, ticket that can go forward and perhaps uh, win the uh, presidential race. Well, as you know, I have my system, the 13 keys to the White House, and I've already predicted before the Kamala Harris pick a Biden win because my system is based on the insight that elections are basically votes up or down on the strength and performance of the party holding the White House. And that's how I reached my prediction. So the vice presidency doesn't really figure into that. But Mm -hmm. this was a very important pick for a couple of reasons. One you already alluded to, uh, picking a multiracial woman represents really the future of America. We're not going to go back to Donald Trump's vision of 1950s America when old white guys like me ran everything. We're coming (laughs) close to being a multiracial society, a majority-minority society. And you mentioned the black vote, but you should also know, and that what's the most rising part of the electorate, Asian Americans, and mm. Pamela has mixed black and Asian heritage. And the second message is, I picked someone who's qualified. She is qualified mm. to step in day one to be president, attorney general of the nation's largest state, a senator for a number of years, very smart, very sharp. Let's go back to your uh, uh, 13-point system here, because uh, last time we talked, you did mention that uh, as you are one of the unique uh, uh, analysts out there that correctly predicted the 2016 results, and and right now, as it stands, uh, your assessment hasn't changed that Donald Trump is in some political trouble uh, as to uh, his chances of re-election. You seem to be indicating that the selection of Kamala Harris uh, did nothing to, to hurt Biden's chances uh, going forward. What do you foresee then? Um, we, we have the DNC going on right now. And uh, by all accounts, as this is a very new way of doing this, this is not the typical uh, big crowds and confetti and, and all of that that we see. And it's really more digital and kind of focused on the uh, TV audience. Is there anything that gives you any pause that could change your calculations going forward right now as, as for your assessment or your prediction as to the, the results of the November 3rd election? No, my prediction stands. Look, the keys are based on the big picture in the country, not on the day-to-day events of the campaign, not on speeches, not on debates. The only thing that could mess 
pick these up, and you talked about it uh, very intelligently with your last guest, is voter suppression or Russian intervention. Mm. Russians are back. They're more sophisticated. Donald Trump is already using Russian propaganda. We know, just as in 2016, he will use and exploit to the hilt and welcome any Russian intervention that can help them. Those are the only things that could uh, make a difference. My prediction will not change. But I have to tell you something else, because you mentioned it, the virtual convention. I'm an old dinosaur, Mm -hmm. but I love the virtual convention. I've been to quite a few conventions, and they're basically venues for parties. And I mean, you know, partying and not political parties, because the nominee is already selected. So why not do it virtually? Think of the carbon footprint that they have saved by not having thousands of people having to fly to Milwaukee. Think about the money they save. Plus, it's much easier to focus on the speeches when they're done digitally, when they're done from the floor of the convention, particularly the secondary speeches, not the candidate speeches, not Michelle Obama's, but others. They get drowned out. They get lost because people are milling around. People are talking. You're in a huge venue. So I love the digital convention, and I hope we'll stick to that in the future. Yeah, and much has been made about how the the talk time has been curtailed quite a bit. Uh, Someone like a a big shot like Chuck Schumer, uh, Senator, um, Minority Leader, uh, he would maybe get an hour to speak, but uh, now with this digitized format, uh, he would be uh, only given, let's say, five minutes. And uh, some people will say that's maybe a good thing. (laughs) You don't have these guys. I think it's a good thing. (laughs) I don't want to hear Chuck Schumer for an hour, quite frankly. I think... You know, he can get across whatever he wants to get across in five minutes. Right. Plus, you know, we've been hearing him pretty consistently over yeah. the last several months, and we know what he's going to say. One, kind of the flip side of this, and I I, I recognize uh, what you're saying with, with your analysis and your system and how uh, the fundamentals really override any kind of day-to-day stuff. But there is this concern, not just ener- energizing the, the people of color vote, uh, whether it's blacks, Asians, uh, Hispanics, what have you, but on the flip side, the the increased kind of uh, racist rhetoric that we're hearing, and including that uh, sort of uh, bizarre Newsweek editorial by this purported law professor questioning the legitimacy of Kamala Harris's eligibility to be to even serve as vice president or president, even though she was born in Oakland because of some archaic constitutional argument about uh, her parents and, and what lineage uh, they were from. Are we, are we worried that this is going to further, again, exacerbate those racial tensions that we've been uh, suffering from for the past few years? Yeah, I think Newsweek committed absolute journalistic malpractice. You know, their justification was absurd. Of course you knew that this was going to lead to racist attacks yeah. on Kamala Harris. Are you kidding? Have you been, in, you know, under the sea for the last five years? But, you know, racism from Donald Trump is nothing new. We saw it in 2016. We're seeing it again. The problem for Trump is that just motivates his base. That doesn't expand his base. One of the interesting things, and I don't look at polls as predictors, yeah. but there is something interesting about the polls. That is, Biden's lead varies. I've seen it as low as four and as high as 12. But what doesn't vary very much is the support for Trump, which is consistently between 40 and 43 percent. Yeah. You know, Biden may be 49, he may be 47, he may be 52. 
But Trump is mired in the low 40s. And that, you know, I'm not predicting from that because I have my own system. But, you know, Trump reads the polls or his advisors do. And that's got to be pretty worrisome for them. Well, that that has always been because, as you've been uh, pointing out, you have your system, and you're not necessarily poll focused on it. But uh, people like uh, Nate Silver of Five Thirty Eight essentially saying that he still has a thirty percent shot, which kind of looks like drawing again to an inside straight, where if he can somehow get those numbers from forty three to up to like let's say forty seven. 48, he can have that electoral math advantage and maybe eke out another victory. You, you don't foresee that to be a likely scenario, you know, I guess. And, you know, those Nate Silver numbers mean nothing. Nate mm. Silver's a clerk. He compiles polls. He doesn't have a system that, you know, like mine that's based on how elections really work. He said last time Trump only had a, a 30% chance yeah. of winning anyway, and he won. So what, what does it mean to say he has a 30% chance. That, that has no statistical meaning because it's just a compilation of polls. I, I do believe that there is a bit of trauma, and I guess I, I don't speak for Trump supporters who are ride or die and that 30-35% will support him no matter what he does, including shooting someone on Fifth Avenue, but because of the trauma of 2016 for, let's say, a majority of Americans, there's this sense now, maybe the boomerang has gone the other way, that Trump is this uh, sort of political guru that can kind of uh, make uh, wine out of water and that he would be able to pull something out again in 2020, just as he did in 2016, not being mindful of all of the things that have changed in, in your 13-point system. And I guess that is a, a fear that is going to linger for, for a while. Wouldn't you agree? Not for me. Look, okay. uh, I predicted Trump in 2016. And remember, Trump is not the challenger anymore. Who forgets mm. that? Mm-hmm. They think, you know, he can talk his way out of anything. But the import of my system is it's governing, not campaigning. That counts. And I said in 2016, any generic Republican would win that election because it was a change election. Similarly, this year, any generic Democrat would win this election because it's a change election. Mm. And this is the mistake Trump makes. I'm, I'm looking at a little note here written on the copy of the Washington Post where I predicted Trump's win. It says, Professor, congrats, good call, <laughs> in big Sharpie letters, Donald J. Trump. Okay. So he understood my prediction, but he didn't understand the difference right. between running as a challenger and running as the incumbent when you run on your record. Well, all brilliant uh, points, as always. Professor Lickman, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, We certainly appreciate your insights uh, for our Korean audience and definitely look forward to talking to you again soon. My pleasure. I look forward to visiting South Korea again sometime when this plague passes. Thank you. We look forward to that as well. That was Professor Alan Lickman from American University.